Well, can you one more time put your hands together? Bless him. take your seats for a moment I don't need long to get this message to you but I need to get this message to you you guys are amazing and uh, I'm definitely not booking a flight on Sunday afternoon ever again when I come here we're gonna wait till Monday because because y'all don't play. You're wild. I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm home. We just honor your bishop and Lady Carmen. Thank you guys so much for the invitation to be here. We love you. My precious wife is with me this time. Monica, she's here. Twenty-two years we have been married, and uh, I know I look old, but she doesn't look old at all. I was 19 years old, and she was 18 when we got married, and uh, nobody thought it would make it, and here we are. My dad told me a long time ago. He said a long time ago. He said, "You want to, you want to, you want to know how to shut up your haters? Is just be there." In 10 years, when they didn't think you would be there, be there. Just keep showing up. And uh, so we've been showing up for 22 years together, and I love you so much. If you have a Bible, I need you to turn, and since I've got 24 minutes, I need you to turn to Galatians chapter 1, Psalm 139, Jeremiah chapter 1, Isaiah 49, Ephesians 1. Romans 8 and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. <laughs> Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. I'm going to read these to you. You don't have to turn to all of those if you don't want. Galatians 1 and 15 says this, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Psalm 139 and 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, or I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Isaiah 49 and 5 says, And now says the Lord, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Romans 8 and 29 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think by now, after reading those verses, you should be convinced of something. You serve a God who goes before you. Not only is God in front of you, he is also behind you. Not only has he prepared me, but he has prepared a plan for me. In other words, nobody snuck into the earth. You didn't by accident get into the earth. You were spoken and declared into the earth by a God who knew you before you were in the womb of your mother. And so when you were formed and fashioned in the womb, God was not worried about what he would do with you because you were not an accident to him. You might have been to them, but you were never an accident to him because God makes a plan before he makes a person. Is there anybody in the room that wants to give God some praise that he makes plans before he makes people? He makes a plan and then he makes a person. He also makes a place before he makes a person. He did it for Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, hey, I'm going to put you in this place. And then at the end, Jesus declares that he said in John 14 and 3, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. So if, so if, if this is what God does for us, if this is how intrinsically connected God is to every fiber of our being in our process, then while I am believing for something, is anybody in the room believing for God to do something? While I am believing for God to do something, there are some things that I need to remember to believe about God while he is doing what I am desiring for him to do. And so I want to share these things because I think they will encourage you while you are believing because most of our life is in the place called the middle. We are not where we used to be, but we are not yet where we want to be. We are somewhere in the middle, and most of our life is spent uh, waiting on God to do something. And then when he does something, it just sets up another season of waiting for God to do something else because I still believe that my best is yet to come. I don't believe God's done with me yet. I don't care how old you are in this room. I still believe great days are in front of you. And if he didn't have more for you, you wouldn't still be breathing. So I'm telling you that the fact that you got breath in your body right now is a declaration that God is not finished with you yet. He's not done with you yet. So if all this is true about him, then it teaches me a few things. And I want to share those things with you while I have this time. The first thing I believe that it teaches us is this, that I should stop complaining about what is and start praising God for what never was. Only like three people got it and they were over here in this corner. I think it's time for us to stop complaining about what is and praise God for what never was. In other words, I want to tell you, there are some things that should have happened in your life but didn't happen in your life. And you don't like the way it is, but God's saying you should have seen how it should have been how it could have been, what your life should look like. You're like, God, it's bad right now. God's like, it could have been a whole lot worse. Is there anybody in the room grateful for a God who has saved you from what could have been, what should have been? The stuff that was coming your way, darts that were coming at you, arrows that were being thrown at you, stuff that was in your direction, but God stood in front of it and said, no, not now. It's not time yet. Not for them, not today. I just wish somebody in the room served a God who went before them and removed the enemy and shut down mouths and opened up doors and 
stop cars from hitting. I just wish somebody would give God praise for what never was. I'm thankful for what never happened to me. Never happened to me. Yeah, you had a plan. I did. All of us did. He blew it up. You know why? Because he didn't like it. He's got a better plan. I know you're thinking, I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm 30, I'm 50, I'm 60. I should have been here by now, done this by now. And I wish that would have worked out. And I wish that marriage would have worked out. And God is like, oh, I saved you, honey. You don't know what I say. I, I wish that divorce wouldn't have happened. But God's like, I saved you from another 10 years of hell. I saved you from another 10 years of abuse. I rescued you. I got you out before it got bad. I want you to understand this morning that what you thought was your dream, what you thought was the American dream, Jesus didn't even die to give you anyway. Jesus died to give you his dream for your life. And sometimes his dream doesn't look like a nice house with a white picket fence, a couple of kids, and a dog named Barney. It looks messed up. It looks broken. It looks shattered. But my brother, I heard my brother, he was preaching this morning at home. And my brother said this, y'all. My brother said this. He said, it's the broken pieces that make the sharpest weapons. Woo! Ah! You thought I was broken. You didn't realize he was turning me into a weapon. Hey, is there any weapons in the room this morning? Hey. Do I have any testimonies how God has taken you and made you into a weapon? Woo! He was, he was, <laughs> Isaiah said, he pointed it like, he said it like this. He said, God has been sharpening my mouth. <sighs> sharpening me up. Woo! I feel like Christian people are a lot of times, they're like Moses. They're like Moses who kept begging God to keep in his life people that God was trying to get out of his life. And when you, when you have been predestined and God foreknew you and he has foreknowledge about you that nobody else has about you, he will do you a favor by removing relationships from your life if you will let him. But most of the time we're like Moses who God came to Moses one day and he said, Moses, I'm frustrated with these people. And I'm going to take them out. And Moses said, God, please don't do it. Save them. God said, okay, Moses, because I love you, I'll save them. But they're not going into the promised land anyway. If they weren't going in anyway, Moses should have just let them die when God wanted them to die. But Moses hung on to them. And because Moses hung on to him, the same people that he begged God to keep in his life agitated him to the point where he lost his cool and he missed out on the promise of God because he kept people in his life that God was trying to remove from his life. I wonder if there's anybody in the room today who would just say, God, whoever and whatever you want to take out of my life, bye, Felicia, take them now. Later, I ain't got time for this. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trying to. I'm tired of trying to make people love me. I'm tired of trying to waste my time and make people like me. I don't have. Re I don't have time for relationships that are not reciprocal. At some point, I've been loving you so long. I forgot what it felt like to be loved. I need somebody who's gonna love me. I've been giving you so long. 
to you for so long, I forgot what it was like to receive a gift. I need to let God remove people from my life. Whew. So it means that God is going to handle some things with my relationships. God is going to, uh, God is going to set me apart. That's why you feel like you don't belong anywhere. That's why when you come into here, this is where you feel like your home is. That's why when people come to church and they find the church they're supposed to be a part of, they feel like I'm home. Why? Because you were made to be a part of something that is bigger than what the world system is creating for you. And when you find it, you truly find home. You are set apart. The Bible would call men and women of God extraordinary or exceptional. I love these two words because the word extraordinary means this, that they didn't do what other people would do in the same situation. I think I'm in a room full of people who aren't going to act like everybody else is acting in the world. Who ain't going to do what? You're not going to respond like everybody else has responded to all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world today. Why? Because I serve an extraordinary God. I'm going to act extraordinary while I'm in the earth. He also called him exceptional. And I love the word exceptional because to get the word exceptional, you have to have the word accept. Reminds me of when my kids come to me sometimes. They're like, hey, dad, everybody's going to the party except me. Everybody gets to go and do it except me. And I look back at him and say, that's because you're exceptional, baby. You are going to be the exception and not the rule. You are going to be different. You were born in the wrong house. We ain't playing games in this house. Everybody is going to act a certain way, but you are an accept me person. Come on, everybody's going to be afraid. Accept me. Everybody's going to run and hide. Accept me. Everybody's going to give up. Accept me. Everybody's going to fail. Accept me. Listen to me. You are exceptional because you are an accept me person. That happened to everybody except me. I love your statistics, and you can keep them because I'm going to be the exception. And not the rule. And sometimes when we, when we are set apart, we don't realize that God wants to do sometimes what we desire for him to do. He just wants to do it in a different way. So don't get frustrated. Don't get married to a method. And don't get frustrated because he doesn't do it how you want to do it. He just wants to do something different. Maybe the same thing, just maybe a different way. Think about the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. The Bible says that Jesus was about four days late to save Lazarus. He gets there and everybody is upset because at this time, Lazarus is stinky. It's been four days and his sister Martha feels like, hey, Jesus, if you would have showed up a little bit earlier, you could have done something about this. She didn't know she was not just talking to a healer. She was talking to the resurrection and the life. <laughs> See, some of y'all want God to do a healing and God is trying to do a resurrection. He's trying to do the same thing, just a different way. I just wish there was somebody in the room that is grateful for a God who even when it's dead, it's still not over. Even when it's stinky, it is still not over. Matter of fact, you're like, my situation is really messy, really stinky. And Jesus, if you would have come a few years earlier, you could have saved me from a whole lot of mess. He said, I showed up when I showed up because I like stinky stuff. You, th you think I can't handle it. You think I'm going to turn away when it gets really bad. He said, no, when it gets really bad, that's what I'm waiting for because that's the type of stuff I run to. He, Jesus said, I didn't come for healthy people anyway. I came for sick people. I came for broken people. I came for messed up people. Anybody in the room sick this morning and need Jesus to come and help you and heal you and deliver you and raise you from the dead? You need that. 
So sometimes he's wanting to do a resurrection and not just a healing. And this is what I've learned about that. So, so, so if, I, if I need to stop complaining about what is and start praising about what never was, you know what that means for me? That means that whatever he doesn't hide me from, he is going to walk me through. Whatever he does not hide me from, he is going to walk me through. This is not a gospel of avoidance. This is not a grace of avoidance. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He didn't take me around problems. That doesn't do me any good. He takes me right through the problem. I just want you to know if it could have destroyed you, you wouldn't be in the middle of it right now. But because you are in the middle of it, his grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in your weakness. And sometimes we're begging God to remove something from our life and God is looking at us and saying, I'd love to remove it, but I've never seen you pray like that. I'd love to take it, but I've never seen you need me like that. So I'm not going to put you in a position as a follower of Jesus where you don't need me. I just want you to get comfortable with thorns. Because for the rest of your life, God is going to constantly put you in positions where you need him. To where you're going to be, I wish you'd take this pain from me. And he's going to say, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, gee, I've never hurt this bad. I've never seen you this humble. Woo! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> some of y'all, see, some, sometimes people get disillusioned with Christianity because they think once, once they get saved, then, then, then uh, you know, it is finished, right? It is finished. It, it is finished, right? So I'm saved and it is finished. I am grateful that Jesus said it is finished and not I am done. Why? Because that work was finished, but he ain't done yet. He is still working. Come on, somebody say, he's still working on me. To make because he is not done with my life. Is there anybody thankful that it may be finished, but God is not finished with me yet? Come on, he who began a good work in me, he is faithful to bring it to his completion. You serve a God who doesn't just know how to start a thing, he knows how to finish a thing. Can somebody give him some praise that you serve a God that's a finisher? Hallelujah, he's a finisher. <laughs> Listen, it's it's it's, it's the crushing of the grapes that gives you the wine. It's the broken pieces that make the strongest weapons. It's the broken stuff in the Bible that gets multiplied. You're like, God, multiply me. He's like, well, I got to inform you. I'm going to break you to multiply you. See, when they brought the fish to Jesus and they were able to take just a few fish and feed 5,000, it's because they took the fish and they broke the fish. You can't multiply it until you break it. And God's like, I want to multiply you, so let me break you. Stop running from trouble. Sit right in the middle of your trouble and said, the same God that brought me into this crazy place is going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. I'm not trying to get out from my enemy. I'm trying to sit right down in the middle of this fight and show my enemy who my God is. That's what I'm trying to do. The prophet, one time he, 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 he had a servant and, and he sent the servant out because the enemy was coming against him. 
And when the enemy gets there, he sends the servant out. So the servant goes out and he looks and he sees the, the army has surrounded him. And he goes back into the prophet and he says, hey, listen, it's bad out there. They're going to kill us. They've got us surrounded. And the prophet says, man, I wish he could just see this situation the way I see this situation. God, would you open up his eyes to see what I see? See, the difference in the room is not what's happening. The difference in the room is what you see. Same thing is happening for you that's happening for me. The same God that when he went out and all he saw was the army, the second time he went out, do you know what he saw? He saw the army surrounded by the Lord's army and he realized that whatever's surrounding me, God is surrounding it. I just need you to know this morning that whatever you feel like is surrounding you, God has already encircled it. He's doing the same thing for me that he's doing for you. You just need to see what I see. <laughs> so whatever he doesn't keep me from, he's going to walk me through. I, I love that you're here in church this morning because that's a declaration. It's a declaration that you're stronger than you think you are. Because coming to church is not an emotional decision in the sense that, man, I, I may, I, my emotions really want me to be here today. For some of you, you're that spiritual. And God bless you. You're, 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 you're amazing. You're on another level. We're trying to get there. But for some of us, we saw rain in this schedule today. And we weren't really feeling like walking in the rain and trying to find a parking spot and dragging babies through the rain. Somebody, is there anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about? So you didn't make an emotional decision today. You made a praise decision. And look at what happened because of your decision. You could have made an emotional decision and stayed home, but you made a praise decision. Why? Because a praise decision is not just I'm gonna I'm gonna make it I'm gonna I'm gonna make decisions based on what is. I'm gonna make decisions based on what could be. And I've been doing this in my life. I've been just like getting real real suspicious of God, like He's up to something good. You know why? Because he tells me in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, my plans for you are good, they are not evil. So I've recognized this about God. If it's not good, he's not done. And until it gets good, he's not finished. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suspect that God is up to something good in my life. Because that's what believing is all about. I, I can see what is happening, but I believe that there is a God who works all things together for the good of them that love him and are the called according to his purpose. So I'm suspicious that God is up to something good in my life. Listen to me. The, the devil's been trying to take you out for years. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. You're 18 now. Let's give it another 18 more years. Let's trust God for 18 more. You're 36 now. Let's make it to 72. Come on. Let's keep doubling this thing up because I will not die until I see see the goodness of God in the land of the living. If it is not good, then God is not finished with me yet. And I'm ready to fight for that. You can't become who God called you to be without a fight. The apostle said, I fought the good fight of faith. I warred against the devil. I went out every morning and I fought him because this is a fight and I will get to the thing that God has for me. The devil can't stop me. Family can't stop me. Friends can't stop me. Nothing can stop me from being who God has called me to be. Why? Because when I was, before I was in the womb of my mother, he was forming me and fashioning me and making me. You were made for this moment. You were formed for this day. He has foreknowledge of you. You know what that means? 
He made you with foreknowledge. He made you the way you needed to be so that you could do what he had called you to do. You are, you are the exact height you need to be. You are the exact color of skin you need to be. Look at white chocolate in the pulpit right now. I'm, I'm the exact color I need to be. You are exactly who God called you to be. The light skins, the dark skins, the whitey, white, 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 white boys who walk outside and get sons cancer, skin cancer. I just walk outside and start to catch on fire. You think I was a vampire or something. You are who he made you to be. You got that waist size for a reason. Stop apologizing. Hey, work out, get fit, but stop apologizing for it. I'm big boned. I'm proud of it. I'm skinny. Okay, we get it. Proud of it. I'm tall. Proud of it. I, I, got, I can't even jump and touch the net. Proud of it. Proud of it. I am who I am by the grace of God. Stop apologizing for who he made you to be. Every other opinion can just shut up. Listen, I, will, I refuse to let someone who didn't speak me into existence call me out of existence. You didn't give me my name? But, oh, oh, but your mom and dad gave you your name. No, 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 no. In most cases in the Bible, parents misnamed their kids. And so God had to come along and, and, and tell them who they were. Why? How? By renaming them. I don't care what your mama called you, what your dad, what your aunts called you, what your uncles called you. He calls you something different. You need to believe what he says about you. Who cares what anybody else says about you? Who cares? They didn't make me. You were in the womb of my mother putting me together, knitting me together. You didn't call me. You don't get to uncall me. Know who you I don't know who people think they are. You got to stop giving people license to speak into your life like that. Listen, whoever gets your ear is guiding your life. You need to make sure that the right people are speaking into your life what you need to hear from heaven's throne. Stop letting people talk you out of stuff. Because there's a part of you, every one of you, that keeps thinking, I'm made for more. Right? Like, I've I, I know I'm where I'm at, and I'm grateful for where I'm at. This isn't about not being content. This is about settling. Some people are like, oh, you just need to be content. No, you're telling me to settle. And I will not settle in a place God never called me to settle in. The, the Israelites, when they would travel, they, they wouldn't build homes until they got to where they were supposed to be. Everywhere they went, they made a tent because they were only going to be there for a little while. It reminds me of Jesus who actually borrowed a tomb. Why did he borrow the tomb? Because he wasn't staying there. I just need you to know where I am right now. I'm not staying here, baby. I'm moving on to something else. And you can come with me or you can get out of the way. But I'm going on to what God has for my life. Somebody give God praise that he's still calling the eternity that he put in you out of you. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. I'm not TSA pre-check. Mine expired, so I got to hurry. Whew. I'm more than I thought I was. 
Can I, can, I, can I encourage you to stop gathering evidence to disqualify yourself? Would you stop that? Stop it. Every time God comes to you, he comes to you, uh, I want to use you. I've got great plans for you. Well, God, you're like Gideon. Well, God, you don't know. I'm, I'm the smallest in my tribe, and my tribe is the smallest in the whole community. Like, like how could you? Moses, I want to use you, but God, you don't understand. I have a speech problem. That's why I want to use you. Because I want you to get to Pharaoh. And I want it to sound stupid. I want you to get to him. And I don't want it to be eloquent. I want it to be le, le, let my people. And I want you to watch as even though you weren't as eloquent as you thought you should be. I want you to watch as the power of God does what it needs to do anyway. So that you don't get the glory. So that God gets the glory. So that he gets the praise. Come on, is there anybody in the room interested in God getting the glory? I don't want the glory. I don't want the honor. So use me. You, you, thought, you, you thought the bad stuff you did, you thought your record was your disqualification. No, it's actually why God wants to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Why, why, why? Because the same way that he went to that man's house and they were all looking at him weird because there was a woman on the floor and she had broken open an alabaster box and she's worshiping Jesus. I, I want it to be just like that, God says. I want it to be that, that you, everybody around you thinks you are unqualified for me to use you, but I want to use you anyway. It's the things that you thought would disqualify you that actually God uses to bless the people that are around you. And can I tell you something? Qualification doesn't come until you do. God doesn't qualify you before you do what you do. God qualifies you while you do what you do. When he came to John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he said, baptize me. He said, I can't baptize you. I'm not qualified to. When did, when did the qualification come? When he did it. Some of you are like, you're waiting for stuff to get lined up and not the connections. And God's like, no, I called you to do it before you get qualified. And in doing it, I will qualify you. Man, so I'm, I'm more? Yes, you are. Don't drown it out because when you drown it out, you start doing what people want you to be and being who people want you to be and not what God called you to be. See, all of this is why no matter how old you were when he called you, you recognized his voice. Why? Because those he foreknew, he also did predestine. Before I was in the womb of my mother, he knew that's an intimate word. That's not just by association. That's connection. That's communication. So you recognized his voice because you heard it before. When he called you that one the first time you heard it, you recognized it because he was talking to you. He, he, he wasn't just forming you while he was forming you. He's telling you, I got a plan for you. I got a purpose for you. And when he said your name, you said, I know. That's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger, they will not follow I want to help you with something right now and then I'm going to I'm going to open up the altar I used to be so frustrated with where I was and I used to have this relationship with God where I felt like God was so disconnected from my reality but it wasn't until I really discovered this this truth about who he is you know, through scripture, God comes to his people and he always says stuff like this. They could be in a crazy situation and he just steps in. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to fix your situation. Hey, I'm going to 
he just comes in and says, hey, don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I'm like, that's great, but can you actually do something? And so I would feel like he's so disconnected, but he's not disconnected. What you find out about God is this, that the reason God talks to you like that is because God is also in your future. And when he tells you not to be afraid, he's speaking in the past tense about your present situation. So he's telling you not to be afraid because he's already been to the end of this and he knows there's no reason for you to be afraid. I've already seen the outcome. So don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. Can we throw our hands up in the air this morning? So Father, we thank you that you are the God who goes before us You are in front of us, you are behind us, and you are presently with us. You are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. God, as we're believing, help us to remember your character while we are believing your promises. Help us to recall to mind your character while we are believing for your promises. Not just looking for the outcome we want, but looking for the person we need. That's you. We need you, Lord. Come on, if there's anybody in this room today and you're going through something, and just as a step of faith, you want to tell the enemy, you want to say to all your haters, you want to say to anybody that's doubting you, hey, listen, I'm going to make it through this. And just as a declaration of my faith, I'm going to step out of my seat. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to make my way to this altar and just say, God, I believe in you. I know you're a God of miracles. You brought me this far. You can take me all the way through. You didn't bring me this far to leave me here. You love me more than that. You are passionate about your pursuit of me. You have made promises to me. The greatest one is that you would never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you that even in the middle of maybe you're in the fight of your life, I want you to know he's with you. Listen, His silence is not an indicator that he isn't there. His silence is an indicator that he's at work. Just like when you were young, if you had a father and you tried to talk to your dad while he was working on something, he would be like, just a minute, I'm God. That's that's the picture I want you to get of God, where if 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 you're like, I'm not getting response, I don't feel any, oh, he is there. He's there. He is working. Never confuse the silence of God for the absence of God. He's working. He is working. And you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And this morning, I don't want you to come to this altar and give him some sort of social media avatar person. I want you to give him the most broken part of you. I want you to take Jesus to the place where you stop believing him. I want you to take Jesus to the place where you had that miscarriage and you stop believing for miracles. 
I want you to take Jesus to the place where you lost your job and you lost your home and you lost everything you had and now you're frustrated and you're, you're hurting and you're broken. I want you to take him there. I want you to take him to the place where the marriage failed and you gave up on love and you never thought anybody could love you again. I want you to take him to the place where you were abused and, and you were abandoned and now you don't trust authority and now you you have this, you, you, you look at people with a side eye because you think everybody has an agenda. I want you to take him to that place. That's the part of you that he wants to heal. Not the social media version of you, not your Instagram version, not the filtered version, not your Facebook profile version, but the broken person you don't show anybody. The person that nobody in this room ever sees. That's where he wants to heal you. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you stop believing me and remember these things. Remember these things. Remember these things. I was abused as a, a young boy and I hated myself for it because I felt like it was my fault. But because of that, because of the healing I've received, God's using me to rescue young people. I'm talking about broken, abused young people. People in lifestyles that nobody else would go near, nobody else would care about, everybody else would think that they were done and it was over. It's that brokenness. I never wanted that to happen to me. But I look back now and I wouldn't change a thing about my life because he took me through it. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but he wants to take you through it. Through it. Oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah. He never promised you you wouldn't experience pain. Oh, it's going to break. He never told you you wouldn't break. But here's the thing about followers of Jesus. Even though we fall, we get back up. And I want you to know something about God. The reason he calls you sheep is because for most of our walk with him, we aren't holding on to him. He's holding on to us. A little insight into sheep. Sheep don't have hands. They have hooves. They can't hold on. I want you to understand something. You're not holding on to him. He is holding on to you. You're not carrying your religion. Your faith in him is carrying you. I need you to know that today. So when you feel like you can't hold on anymore, it's okay. Cry, weep, break in his arms. Let him hold you. Let him heal you. Let him bring you back to life. Let him perform a resurrection in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen? Can we give God one more shout of praise in this place?